Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Tuesday. It is February the 27th. We're going to be talking about a difficult subject with an excellent guest. So stick around. You guys are going to have a good time with us today. Um, I want to just get rolling right into it and say thanks to my sponsors real quick. Let's say thanks to Catholic Vote. Uh, as you guys know, this program is brought to you by Catholic Vote. And if you're used to getting like a full-on piece of the news today is your day to go to catholicvote.org, sign up for the loop. You just put in your email address and your zip code, and you will get the loop, which is the best one-minute email of news you will get any given day. They're doing a big push right now. If you guys want to follow them on social media, you'll see that little social media handle at Catholic Vote is bouncing around, and I'm just pulling up my version of the loop, which I had up earlier. A couple of good stories in there, a story about IVF, which we've talked about in Alabama. There's another one that's going to be talking about this uh, this UGA student, which we're going to discuss a little bit today with my guest, Victor Avila. Um, a little bit, sorry, it's Avila. I know this. I keep doing it wrong in my head. Uh, there's going to be a, a little story about what's going on in Fulton County. There's a situation about trans versus suicide, whether the uh, the surgeries help. Check out the loop, you guys. You can support Catholic Vote by giving a donation if you choose, but you can always just get their information right there. And let me also say right up front, a thanks to our buddies over at Contingency Medical. A number of you have already gone out there and gotten yourself one of these things. This is like having a pharmacy in your pocket. I'm going to open mine up right now. Go to contingencymedical.com. Again, contingencymedical.com. The promo code is Kyle. You can probably hear in the background what's going on here. Yes. You have your own little pharmacy. These are all kinds of antibiotics, anti-diarrheals, and anti-emetic things to stop nausea, vomiting, and all the crud that you might be feeling as you are entering the end of the winter season here. You guys can have your own pharmacy, so you go and you visit with a board-certified physician on a telehealth call in your own state. You have a legal prescription to carry around these things for at least a year, and uh, it gives you antibiotics, gives you anti-diarrheals, gives you anti-emetics. You got amoxicillin, you got, um, you got azithromycin, and others. This is sort of the whole self-reliance. You can prepare or repair. This gives you an opportunity to prepare so you're not rolling around the country if you travel or if you just don't like going to a doctor's office, which I despise. You may want to do that. Go to contingencymedical.com. Good company out of Idaho, America. Might be the future home of the Seraphin family and Seraphin show. Guys, contingencymedical.com. Promo code is Kyle. All right, we'll do a little bit more of that later on. Let me go ahead and get started. I'm going to welcome on my guest. He is running for Congress in the 23rd District of Texas. He is a former special agent. He's worked at almost every level of uh, law enforcement. We had him on the show, and I put the link in the description of the show before, so you guys are welcome to check him out. Let me bring him on, Mr. Victor Avila. Dude, I know your name. I don't know why I screwed it up. I don't know why I got your name. Why did I mispronounce <laughs> it? It doesn't seem it's good. It's Avila. It's Avila. Yeah. It technically has an accent over the first A. There's an uh, accent. So it's Avila. Yeah. I'm happy to have you on, buddy. Uh, I want to talk about some of the stuff. We're going to get into sort of uh, what it means. Everyone hears the term open border, I think. And I'm, I'm just uh, adjusting your your video here to put you right in the middle. Listen, uh, everyone hears the term open border and they think it means something that it doesn't. I want to kind of discuss the mechanics of it. But first, let's get into who you are as a person. Uh, you've been on the show before, but I don't want to assume anything. We've had a new audience. So let's start off from the beginning. Maybe tell people a little bit about who you are as a person and, uh, and what your background is, why you have a specialty in talking about the border right now. Absolutely. Uh, I'm a retired special agent with Homeland Security Investigations. Like you mentioned, I also worked uh, at the state level, uh, county level, uh, uh, and international level as a U.S. diplomat in Mexico, Central America, and Europe. And uh, uh, I, I know border security. I, I've done this um, most of my adult life, especially 
born and raised on the border in El Paso, Texas, covered most of the the area that I'm running for Congress right now. Uh, that's why I know this district very well. But uh, a lot of people might know me because of a, a, a tragedy that that my partner and I went through uh, in in Mexico while we were assigned there back in. Uh, as a matter of fact, this past month, uh, this month was 13 year anniversary where uh, Agent Zapata and I, Jaime Zapata, were ambushed by Losetas cartel and shot at over 100 rounds. Uh, Special Agent Zapata tragically lost his life next to me in the line of duty. I'm here by the grace of God after taking three rounds. Um, and so that does something to you, Kyle. It it, uh, it changes you. And in my case, it changed me to want to fight even more against the evils that we face in our country from drug traffickers, cartels, human traffickers. I'm a subject matter expert in human trafficking investigations and victim identification. Uh, I did a lot, a lot of that in my career, rescued a lot of women and children. We'll talk a little bit about that right now. But um, I, I've been involved with this. And even after I, I medically retired, uh, I continued to be involved. And uh, I, I did what I asked people to do is to be aware of what's going on and, and who get a little bit aware of what's, uh, the politics around you. You don't have to call the White House. You just have to do it there locally. And I started doing that. And that got me involved into politics to where I am right now trying to continue my public service to hopefully change this madness in Washington, especially when it comes to the border, because it actually now is the number one issue, even uh, surpassing the economy, which you know how hard that is, because the economy is still very important. But that's how bad this situation is at the border, that people that had no idea, Kyle, people that walk around this uh, country not knowing anything or anything are now aware about the border and they heard something about the border and this administration doesn't like that they don't like the fact that people that are not aware are becoming aware and therefore you see them going to the border <laughs> i can't believe that biden's going to the border tomorrow but uh, it just goes to show that their own destruction their own policies uh have uh come back to haunt them and us Definitely the case. And what I want to do with this, and this is a little bit different. It's kind of an off script. For, it's definitely not a political message. What I'd like to do is educate people. And and I think you and I, between the two of us, are in a really unique position to be able to do that. I'd like to talk about the mechanics of what our government does and what our border apparatus looks like. Because I think very few people, they hear the word border, they can picture you know some barbed wire, they can see some razor wire down in Texas and some National Guardsmen standing by a Humvee. They get that sort of Fox News picture. Maybe they get a, a, C, a CNN kind of picture. But they don't know what it means to present yourself at a border and what the terms open border looks like. So I want to talk about that from the ground up. Let's talk about the federal agencies that are involved and where they're involved. And I know that there are people that are coming in through ports of entry. So maybe we start with port of entry. Then we go into the sort of more nebulous version where people are just crossing at random points throughout it. But let's talk about the, the federal apparatus that exists. Let's start with point of entry, if you don't mind. Just kind of tell people. What I, lo agent I love that because yeah. uh, we, we hardly talk about uh, what we refer to as OFO, Office of Field Operations, the U.S. Customs. They're still under CBP, the, the men and women that wear the blue, dark blue uniform. And you'll find them at land borders, uh, airports, seaports. Uh, very important because uh, there's a lot of activity happening at the ports of entry. As a matter of fact, this week, uh, 6.5 tons of methamphetamine were seized at the Eagle Pass port of entry. Uh, this is how important our ports of entry are. And I think we need to kind of remission them because we uh, we let a lot of stuff through through there. Um, I, I understand that 
a lot of drugs, uh, illegal activity, commercial fraud is coming through the legal port of entry. And um, and so we I think we do need to remission that part of CBP to uh, um, get a little bit more accountability, because I do like the fact that uh, uh, they have the ability to control uh, what enters. And so people understand, even if you're a U.S. citizen and you travel to Mexico or anywhere and you're coming back into the country, you're not even if you're a U.S. citizen, they determine right then and there if, in fact, they believe you when you present your passport or whatever. You absolutely have no rights. It's this gray area that, by the way, as an agent, had I had, and even in my creds, it says, and you know this, Kyle, even FBI doesn't say this, we have uh, some uh, extraordinary uh, authorities uh, because of that customs uh, law. And so that's why you could come in and you get strip searched, just because. They can literally put you in the room because you act suspicious. They, have, they don't need any kind of probable cause. They don't, they don't run by the same rules that the police officers and agents in the field uh, have to do. So um, uh, they have a, a good power to, the reason that they're giving that power is to try to control the illicit uh, substances and people coming into the ports of entry. So that's a great point that we need to focus on them as well because uh, there are illegal aliens coming through there now the Biden administration is trying to normalize or legalize that entry so the illegal alien can get processed on the other side, let's just say Mexico, and then literally walk through uh, our ports of entry that, by the way, they've been doing. Uh, The numbers are very low right now because even the illegal alien doesn't want to do that. I don't know why they choose not to do that under the CBP-1 app. They can, mm-hmm. but they, they, they choose to rather come through the, uh, through the uh, either Wayne the River or Arizona or California. So um, uh, these land borders are so important because of the cross traffic. And this is kind of goes to a point about an open border, right? Open border, closed border. The border is open because there's a tremendous amount of trade and uh, uh, bi-national traffic every single day of families, businesses, uh, schools, you name it. Uh, uh, so when people say, we got to shut down the border, we got to shut it down. Um, I don't think they understand when they say shut down the border because you're not going to shut down that part of the border. That part of the border is a almost a necessity for the uh, communities that live on the border. Now, I will say this. There needs to be a lot of stricter, more uh, uh, checks on the people that are coming in on those uh, daily, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, routines like uh, uh, the what we call the border jumpers or border crossers, B1, B2 visas, right? Uh, there needs to be more stringent review of these people because we have a lot of people using these visas to get uh, access into the country and then they never go back. They, they overstay their visa and then enter uh, deeper into the, the country. But yeah, the, the land borders is very important. Very different shifting over to the border patrol. Yeah, and, be, and, and before we get to that, let me just get kind of real granular for people. I want people to both envision, because we're doing theater of the mind for our audio um, listeners. 
We're talking about the blue uniforms, which you described earlier, CBP, you and I know what that means, but Customs Border Protection, which is a distinctly different entity with different powers and authorities than what we often refer to as USBP or Border Patrol. Those are those are the green uniforms. And so let's let's be real clear. If you could, what are the authorities of CBP? And then why do and then maybe we can kind of make a distinction between that and the green uniform of BP so people can have that in their brain. Yeah, the blue uniforms have extraordinary, uh, I mean, down to agriculture uh, type of uh, uh, authorities. Uh, you're bringing uh, uh, vegetables, fruits and vegetables, animals, uh, pharmaceuticals that you cannot uh, enter into the United States. So they're trying to control, obviously, diseases and other uh, chemicals that might be uh, gaining access to a land border. Same thing through an airport. And so uh, they have, they could search you, they could open your luggage, they could uh, question you whatever they want. They could detain you there for uh, uh, what they need to investigate as to what is your purpose to enter the United States. Now, uh, I say this, it sounds like everybody's going through the stringent uh, (laughs) process. No, most people, it's a 30 second uh, quick uh, interview, show your passport uh, at the the booth and then they say, go ahead. That's it. You know, what was your purpose of traveling to Mexico or, or wherever you came from? You tell them, you show the purpose, they, they, they check you quickly on the machine, and then you go. That's why we have a lot of um, fugitives, a lot of uh, 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 people that have criminal histories uh, that have been tagged in these systems. And I won't go too much detail on there because that's a little bit more sensitive, but mm-hmm. I, I love those systems. And as a matter of fact, Customs is the only uh, HSI uh, has those uh systems as well that worked very well in tracking people throughout the world. And every time you cross a certain uh, country, we could uh, basically track you working with Interpol and all that. So uh, it's multifaceted um, and a a lot of it is uh, uh, different lanes. We have the vehicle lanes, Mm -hmm. we have the pedestrian lanes where people walk over and you have a line there. Then you have the commercial traffic and I'm talking about the tractor trailers. And this is the part where people, I don't think, understand a lot of the stuff that's in our houses came in the back of a tractor trailer through that border. Um, a lot of food, a lot of uh, a lot of <clears throat> products that come through there. And uh, and so that's why we have to have that legal part secure because we want to be able to enjoy those things. But I think we're at the point right now that we need to really reduce that um, and People will, I understand people and countries will get hit hard economically, but we need to start thinking about Americans first because especially in the commercial traffic area, man, they, uh, there's, there's so much stuff coming in. Human beings, uh, methamphetamine, fentanyl, uh, you name it, it's coming through those ports of entry as well. So we're talking to Victor Avila. If you guys have not joined us or if you're just joining us now, make sure you're following him on Twitter and his handle is just his name. It's Victor Avila TX just for Texas. And he's now running for office in the 23rd in Texas. One of the really kind of uh, difficult issues that we're talking about now is that there's legitimate commerce. There's legitimate travel that people can from the United States and from Mexico may come and go. And there are reasons why that should happen. And so clamping down even on the original the port of entries where we have the most control in theory is not a simple black and white, like just shut it down, close the gate, drop the the, the drawbridge. No. We can't do that because as you said, you would cut off the flow of goods and services and materials that are necessary, not just for border states, but for everybody, whether it be fruits or durable goods and so on. So we've got a much more complicated issue. And I think so many people want to just say, shut it down. 
That's not an option, really. It needs more stringent controls. But as you just pointed out, 30-second scan for every person that walks by, if that. Anybody who's been through uh, customs on the way back into the country as an American, we're kind of pissed off. We're like, hey, dude, I'm from here. What are you doing? And, we, you know, you're like, I'm entitled to come in the country. Number one, maybe you aren't, as you just stated. There's some pretty aggressive search authorities, far more than just walking into an airport, which we all submit to domestically. And then the second half of it is, as we, uh, as you come into the country, they've got to both turn the traffic. They can't have the line back up to nothing. And we'll see that with Border Patrol stations all the time. There'll be times when they're checking every single vehicle and everybody gets a window check and everybody gets a look in the back seat and they're looking for dogs and, you know, um, and aliens hiding and all the other stuff. And then at the same time, sometimes they're just like everybody through. We're like, we got a backlog and we're going to try to keep, you know, the, the, the routes of commerce moving. And so there's this game. And of course, the cartels are playing that game as well. And the traffickers are playing that game and individual smugglers are. So very complicated. Now let's get broader. That's just the ones that we can actually control in the actual ports of entry. Now we're starting to step into the Wild West of the actual American frontier, that border. Maybe talk about the challenges, uh, physical, topographical, uh, sort of, and and the geographical issues, and then the manpower issues we've got there that goes into the broader stretch of the quote-unquote open border. And and this is a a great point because uh, I I want people to understand that it has to do with geography here. It has to do with uh land uh and it's very very diverse from california to brownsville you got desert you got rough terrain you got water in the river you got uh natural we got canyons in texas that no one can come up through there so uh when people build a wall well there's places that you cannot build a wall uh even if you wanted to build a wall because it's a natural canyon that's thousands of feet down and nobody's going to climb that People don't come to there. We know the areas of the traffic of illegals and drugs, by the way, that come uh, through when the areas they come through. It's very um, uh, we've known these areas for many, many years. So those are the parts that I want to see secure and possible barriers. Uh, One big example is the east of El Paso, Texas, is a big, big county called Hutspeth County. Hutspeth County is all desert and we have a river. I've stood on the river that has almost most of the year has no water. The real brand has no water in it. And we, I worked so many cases. There are SUVs from Mexico and cartel literally loaded up with drugs, drive across the river uh, and, and, and backpackers and illegals and you name it are coming through there because that place is wide open right now. It's cartel land. I call it cartel land. Last time I went, uh, I thought I was going to go just show up and uh, Border Patrol hasn't been down there. And my friends with Hutsford County Sheriff said, no, no, no. Here's your double plated vest. Here's your long arm. Here's your sidearm. And let's get down there because uh, there's no communications, not even for the, the sheriff's department. Uh, I mean, it is rural down there. It's rough terrain. We went all the way to the river and immediately had eyes on us from the cartel on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, and Border Patrol is not there because they're not allowed to be there. But so it's so vast and it's so different. And um, as it is, when everything is functioning as we want it, when the, when the authorities of Border Patrol are enacted and they're doing their job, we still only have a certain number of agents to cover uh, thousands of miles in between. So you have a shift of eight Border Patrol agents covering this 100 mile uh, area that it's impossible to be at. That's why we need additional tools like sensors, fiber optics, a wall, 
and to slow the, the traffic of the people down. And then Border Patrol has the ability to respond to it. I've been down there. And uh, after uh, Biden took over and stopped the construction, I went down to Hudson County and it took about two hours before a Border Patrol agent came to me. Uh, and he says, ah, we saw you. We saw you on the camera. You, you set off the sensor. We knew you were there. Uh, we figured, you know, like, what are you doing? Who are you? I said, I just came down to see what the heck's going on. And I actually got a lot of good intel from them. Um, I said, what's going on with the lighting? It was at night and the lights were turned off. Uh, there's a there's a lot of uh, challenges, if you will, uh, with the brush, with no vision out there. It's super dark. Uh, and so Border Patrol uh, has a lot. They've always had these challenges. What what we want to do and we want uh, I've always uh, working with them is to enhance their abilities to reduce some of those challenges so they could have the, the ability to concentrate in these funneled areas where the cartel uh, distracts the border patrol. We're going to send a group of illegal aliens over here and then send the drugs on this side. I mean, that's the old cat and mouse game that's been going on for years. Well, you know what, Kyle? That doesn't exist right now. The, the, the cartel doesn't have to do distractions. They just send the people yeah. because... They're not there. So we're, Border Patrol is literally not on the line. Yeah, you're talking about some really important challenges. Number one, the geographical piece. Like you said, there's some places nobody's going to come over. And I used to work down in Las Cruces. So I had the entirety of the southern Mexican border and or the, the New Mexican border, rather. And you look at it and you're like, OK, there's a couple of FBI agents. There's a couple of CBP locations, the funnels, including the least traffic one in apparently in America, which is Antelope Wells down in the boot heel of New Mexico. Right. Nobody comes oh, yeah. through there. They get 20 cars a, a day if, at tops. And then you've got this huge stretch of, of of privately owned and publicly owned lands, which is also kind of an interesting challenge where you, Very as true. you mentioned, a hundred miles of border, maybe eight guys that are out there. They're working shifts. They're working their butts off. Um, I want to talk about the human nature of it, because uh, if everybody has ever dealt with the actual border patrol, our agents and officers that are wearing the green uniforms, these are the guys out there doing the actual patrols up and down those open, non-official ports of entry. They're overwhelmingly Hispanic, in my experience, and they are some of the most patriotic, America-loving, aggressive against illegal alien people you'll ever meet. Can we kind of talk about the Border Patrol culture a little bit, about who these guys are and kind of what the betrayal of this Biden administration looks like? That's a great question because Border Patrol is very unique than any other federal law enforcement agency. Uh, I could say that the, the way, uh, at least the old way of going to the academy, very military type of discipline marching uh, and, and that type of discipline, very diff di different than the academy I think that you and I went through, but um, trained differently because they're out there in uh, God's country by themselves most of the time in the middle of the night. And they, they're trained to have to be able to, uh, uh, first of all, the environment, the weather uh, and, and many other factors, snakes for crying out loud, uh, and, and natural occurrences that happen on the border. Plus, uh, a Border Patrol agent will encounter sometimes a group of 10, 15, 30 illegal aliens or more by himself or herself. And they're ta taught how to control that crowd, how to take control of the aliens. And so um, they're trained very, very differently. Now, the role of the Border Patrol is an immigration role. And it is solely, it was, it was originally just to control the uh, traffic of illegal people coming to the country. Now, because they're there, what else do they encounter? They encounter narcotics. 
But and so they uh, come up on narcotics and interdict a lot of loads on narcotics as well, especially at the checkpoints. And the checkpoints for people to understand is not only are Border Patrol agents on the line, um, within 75 miles of the border, you have checkpoints from California all the way to Texas. And these checkpoints are like the last uh, resort for Border Patrol to have the uh, ability to check to see, in fact, you're smuggling something uh, into the interior of, uh, of the United States. Um, but mostly those checkpoints are immigration checkpoints. So when you come up, if you ever been to a checkpoint, very different than a port of entry. I've, I've been to very a bunch. Very different rules of apply. <laughs> yeah. uh, now they do have to have probable cause. And so basically they're looking, are you transporting illegal aliens? That's basically it. But then they come across a lot of uh, the, the narco traffickers as well. Fugitives. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people come to these checkpoints because they're driving on these the highways. And so you have checkpoints that are on the main freeways, corridors, and in between uh, Highway 85 and uh, near Las Cruces there in, uh, in Hatch, New Mexico. It's for someone that decides not to want to go through I-25 or I-10 and want to cut through these ranches, they have a checkpoint there. So every area is covered. Well, right now, Kyle, I, I was in uh, last month in uh, Eagle Pass, Texas, and I'm driving and the checkpoint is closed. Yep. There are no Border Patrol agents manning the checkpoint and i literally just like i drove by many other people drove by and possibly other illicit activity drove by why because this administration has pulled them from those duties and i know i keep referring to that but that's what we're living in yep. they have been stripped of the authority not only that they've been told you're not going to be a border patrol agent anymore you're still going to wear that uniform you're still going to go but we're going to have you do something else and that is aiding and abetting the movement of people into the country, which is the most ironic thing in, to think about that uh, you as an FBI agent and me as an HS, HSI agent to be told to do the opposite of the what we were, uh, you know, of our duty, of our public service, of the scope of our duties and why we took this job to begin with. It's very demoralizing, man. Yeah, no, they've turned them into concierges, I guess, so where they just, uh, they're aiding and abetting, as you said, they're, they're facilitating something. Um, I want to kind of discuss, and and for people's background, what we used to see in the in the investigative side of it further away, Border Patrol is obviously like front line. Uh, you're the investigator. You're going to go out and look for patterns and trends and sort of movement of larger operations. One of the things the cartel has gotten really good at is looking at those checkpoints, deciding when they're running everybody through because it's backed up or deciding when everyone's getting looked at. And you don't send your load when everybody's getting looked at because that's stupid, even though they do have those sacrificial type loads where they'll, you know, distract them with one. So everybody goes mm -hmm. over to this one car and then they send through the real load and, you know, that they lose some small amount. Those those happen. But now what they'll do is they'll post people up on on UTVs, on ATVs with, you know, thermal. Or, or really good binoculars and they'll just watch and when the traffic is flowing that's when they take the chance and they send them through because they're not dumb and they are business people and the job is how do we get most of our product into this country without getting intercepted so that's kind of a that's the side note of when you pull people away from it it makes it really easy they don't have to even worry about whether or not it's running or not the risk goes way way down because we're facilitating you brought something up though doing the opposite of our jobs right let's talk about how that change in the definition. We've been hearing over and over again about fixing immigration, fixing immigration. Now we're talking asylum. They've done a movement of the language really dramatically. I'd love for you to comment on how that has really sort of betrayed the purpose of these agencies, CBP and BP, um, and, and maybe discuss the language movement. That's very important, Kyle, because the language and words do matter. And I'm going to start with the term illegal alien. You'll, you'll hear me 
use the official term because that is the legal term to refer to people that are not legally present in our country. It's illegal alien. It's on the Immigration Nationality Act book that I have. Uh, but not under this administration. Don't you dare uh, call him an illegal alien. Now I think they call him uh, non non uh, or uh, undocumented citizen. Are you kidding me? Whoa. That's what they're calling them, undocumented citizen, because they want to normalize this, because they want people to identify them differently as possibly not a threat, or maybe this is actually the right way to do things. Um, uh, there's many other terms, assimilation that comes to my mind. You can't use a, the term assimilation right now under the Biden administration. Uh, why? Because my parents did it the right way. They came to this country and assimilated and became Americans, and they follow the law and the Constitution, and they love it, and they love their country. No, no, no. How dare you call, uh, how dare you ask people from 150 different countries to, to come into ours and adopt our uh, culture and our rules and our constitution and assimilate. And they don't like that. So the terms uh, are very important. And unfortunately, the media uh, is, uh, you know, I, I, I cringe every time, illegal immigrants. You're not an illegal immigrant. Uh, my parents were immigrants and, the, and they were legal immigrants. You could only be one. Uh, but the left has uh, merged immigration, illegal immigration, and legal immigration into one. And this is the problem. They don't see the difference. Uh, and it's very important for us to tell people that there's absolutely a big difference. And I know we're going to talk about crime here by illegal aliens. And yes, there is a big difference of whether you came into this country the right way, albeit I, I, I'll be the first one to say that needs fixing too, mm -hmm. uh, because we have good people who are waiting 12, 14 years to come into this country that have done everything that they've done they're not going to be a public charge they are going to be a member of the community they do want to be americans and they don't exist under this administration they, they forget that line that line doesn't even exist right now and so the illegal immigration and the wording of what you call these individuals is a lot of it's part of the wokeness program it's part of this uh leftist uh, uh whether you we we uh, pronouns and, and they've they combined all of that to train the american people that you better accept them because of whatever agenda they have uh, to use these people for. And so uh, I think it's a very, very dangerous path because uh, we have criminals. We have people that are legally present in this country committing some horrific crimes. And there is a difference because it's not a U.S. citizen that was born and raised here. We have plenty of that crime already, as you and I know, and uh, everybody, we're, we're, we're tired of the crime surge in this country. Now you have to deal with people from all over the world coming over and committing additional crimes. I talked to the sheriff's uh, departments and police departments as I travel around the country, and they tell me, Victor, we don't have additional police officers. We don't have additional resources. It's still just our community, and we are forced to absorb, absorb them into the community, and we can't. And then when you add public safety and crime in there, they tell me, they, throw, they shrug their shoulders and say, Something gives has to give, and public safety is what suffers. Yeah, that definitely seems to be the case. The worst for me, and maybe you can help me track this language, because I, I know the language game 
is incredibly important. We talk about it here on this podcast on a regular basis, sort of moving the needle. We have a constitutional republic. The left likes to talk about a democracy, which we don't have. Democracy equals tyranny. Democracy equals sort of institutions that we think are American, but we like to export them in ways that don't make sense to places that don't want them. And and when I look at the, the immigration debate, if we'll call it that, my memory goes back to the 90s. So like that's limited in some ways. But I remember it was illegal alien. Then there yeah. was like illegal immigrant was the next game because immigrant was nicer than alien and they liked that. And then at some point in time, there was a shift and I don't know when these terms came in order. Maybe you can help sort of put them in a chronology for me, but we've got migrant is something you've talked about illegal citizen. That's incredible. That's bizarre. You've got, um, you know, some of these different terms. Do you know when they started progressing? Because it seems like as soon as they get called out for like, hey, that's that's nonsense. What you just said is BS. Then they go like, well, let's just come up with a new and more sensitive and softer term until the point where we're talking about asylum seekers and refugees. When these people don't fit that definition, there's a legal definition for all of these things, by the way. Um, yeah. And, they, and they, like I said, they clumped them all together. And let me tell you, we're not talking about years ago. Um, the illegal alien. Uh, I tell you, I used to work for federal probation for the U.S. courts and I used to write the precedence reports. And I had to use illegal alien entered this country blah, 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 when I was doing the prison because that's how the law described them. It still does. Sure. Yet this administration will not allow federal probation officers to call them that on an official document. And uh, because it, it's about control. Uh, then you mentioned the word migrant, immigrant, undocumented, immigrant, all, all these different terms that mean nothing other than trying to change and uh, what desynthesize us to uh, make us more acceptance of it, uh, of the crime. I don't understand it. Uh, I, all I understand is that they don't like the fact that we use the truth. Uh, we call it as it is, and they want to change these terms. Uh, I mean, you got the you got the media all over the world using the terms a migrant. A migrant is that is a true person. Um, but once you enter into the country. By the way, in Mexico, you're illegal already because you're from Africa, you're from China, you're from uh, in the Middle East. You're already an illegal alien, even in Mexico. So uh, a lot of people say, well, they're not illegal until they actually come into the country. Yeah, I, I, could, I could talk about that argument a little bit. Either way, you're in the country for sure in this in the United States of America illegally. You're an illegal alien. You're not a migrant. We, we have another category for migrants that have a visa mm -hmm. to actually come into this country and, and with a, the right way with employment status to be a, a possibly an, an agricultural worker, uh, a seasonal worker. We have that. And that's a migrant. That's a migrant that wants to come into the country temporarily. We know that the money that they earn are going to be sent back. We know about those. We know about the ones that in, for, in Mexico alone, Kyle, last year. The, the illegal aliens uh, from Mexico in the United States sent back $59 billion to Mexico. Think about that amount That's of billion money. billion with a it's, B. It's, with B, $59 billion, which Mexico, if you would take that money away overnight, they would collapse. Mm -hmm. It's part of their GDP. Right. But the problem is they're not leaving that money here in the United States. They're, they're, they're not paying into the, the property taxes and, and federal income tax and all that. And so, um, yes, they're illegal. But, but to be fair, Those 
that $59 billion, we're talking about that more or less being baked into the cake because they are a land neighbor of ours. And we do have that back and forth across the border where there's trade and there's commerce and there's goods. They're, if they're farming or if they're doing agricultural work, there's there's a value at least. I mean, obviously, we're losing that that revenue. But I think that's sort of built in as long as it's part of the legal migrant system where we sort of account for it and say, yes, you have a visa and yes, you're going to return. And we know you're not going to be leaving your money here and you're not buying property and all these kind of things. There, There's a there's an argument to be made for that actual type of work, assuming that we know the that legal it's one. Yeah, the legal, the legal one. And, 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 and you, you bring a good point. The legal one, the, the 59 billion are from the illegals. They're oh, wow. here illegally. <laughs> okay. So, so it, it's a separate, uh, thanks for clarifying that, clarifying that. It's a different category, not, not the ones that have the visa. These are people that are completely undocumented, have no documentation Got to it. be in this country, sending back, 59 billion. And by the way, if you start adding Central America, whew, they're building their houses, their communities, their their churches from the money that they're sending from here. And, and I'm like, you know what? Maybe we could work something out there. I, I'm running for Congress. I, I'm ready to negotiate. Maybe we tax that money. Maybe we don't let that money go out. I don't know. But we got to start doing something. You know, you, if you're going to be in the country illegally, at least you got to leave some money here for for it to uh, be flowing back into your own community, yep. not sending most of it all the way back. Well, and the other thing that people don't understand, too, that the second and third order effects of this are so extreme. Just let's do a simple one. I used to work in EMS. I used to work emergency you know, medical. And so if you work in an ER, the number of people that are illegal aliens that are coming in and getting those services because we are required by law to serve them is a lot. And what I used to always say is if you're complaining about what your ER bill looks like, it's a thousand dollars for you to come in and get an x-ray of a broken arm. It's because you're paying for four other people that didn't pay anything. That's and right. some of them are homeless and they're American indigent. And in theory, we could probably absorb that. But a lot of them are not from this country. They have probably no right, at least morally speaking, to any of our funds and the things we do. And because we're such a compassionate country. We roll right over. We take good care of them, but it's not like it's a onesie twosie. It's a daily. And especially in the areas like Arizona and in New Mexico and in the border area of Texas, it is a staple of the work. And so all those costs are driven up and everybody else is, is, is made to shoulder them because they use it as primary care as well. It's not like they have any other doctors to go to or other healthcare they've invested in. Kyle, and, and you're, you're so right because that's always existed. I'm born and raised in El Paso, Texas. My parents didn't have insurance. Uh, and when they use the ER, my parents are paying $150 a month for 10 years, paying back that bill. That's right. But you had illegals coming, having uh, having children, broken arms, health care, and, and, and our property taxes kept on going up and up and up. My parents' property taxes, and they uh, we were we kind of became used to that, right? It was incorporated already in the economy of, of, of the, the county. Well, now the difference is, is that it's not just El Paso, Texas. It's the entire country uh, going through that. Look at what's ha happening in Denver Health. In Denver, uh, $130 million in the hole because of services to illegal aliens. Now, the difference is that Denver doesn't want to shut down the border. They, they just want reimbursement from the federal government right. to cover the cost. But we have um, th these effects that, that we have seen at the border for many years, even El Paso, even knowing it, it has exploded because of the numbers of illegals coming in. It has trampled, just like the Border Patrol uh, and everything that's going down down there, well, it has trampled the healthcare systems, the, a lot of the school systems. And of course, I mentioned the criminal justice system. My goodness, these are the three facets that we live in our everyday life. And 
and they are being heavily impacted in North Carolina, in Denver, like I mentioned, in Maryland, in Seattle, in Minneapolis, you name the city, you name the state, and now they're feeling it and they don't have those budgets and they don't have the uh, the resources and they don't have the, they're like, wait a minute, what's going on? All of a sudden they got hit with it immediately and they're they're struggling and they're struggling in a real world. And then guess what? The the U.S. citizen is now saying, hey, what the heck is going on here, man? We're we're chopped liver over here. That's Look right. at the black community in Chicago uh, and they're how upset they are in Maryland. They're just kicking and screaming, saying, hey, first of all, you always treated us like crap. Now, not, you're not even treating us, period. You just completely have ignored us. And that's why this administration is where it's at, because they've lost that control of that possible voter that they've had for 50 years, Hispanic community, black community, and, and that control. And they're like, you know what? We better bring people from all over the world. We better bring 15 million people in to replace us so they could vote for us, so we can count them and get representation back in the House and have power again. Yeah, if your funnel of uh, potential voters is bringing in a bunch of illegals because you're constantly badly treating the ones that you've already converted and you think that they're just going to stick around, I think that uh, folks who live in America end up being radicalized as Americans, even if they're, they started off here illegal. <laughs> that first generation gets here and they go like, no, that's not really good. And by the way, they just ignored us. Now that we have legal status, you're going to ignore us. Pretty wild. Um, it's it's very interesting that the number of things that have gone up in price since uh, since I was a kid, since you were younger, you look at there, it's all stuff the government has not just a heavy hand on, but like their whole arm or maybe their whole body leaning on. You talked about education, heavily involved in government funding, government subsidies, and then bad government policies bringing in illegals and so on. Healthcare, another one. Think about the cost of a cell phone and what you could do with a cell phone when you were a kid. You know, when I was in my my teens, there was one, it was mounted in a car where it was in a briefcase <laughs> that nobody, you know, like that's what you had to shoulder sling the damn thing. It was like a sat phone. And then today we've got little tiny devices that you could basically land a lunar land, you know, do the lunar landing from the 60s in. Uh, if that happened, which is another, that's another podcast, I guess. <laughs> so, but the technology has gotten smaller and more advanced. We're still paying a ton. We're paying more for x-rays now than when they invented the technology. And in theory, it's better, it's cheaper, it's probably already paid for, except you've got more and more of these people coming in that are required to get services, and it doesn't make any bit of damn sense to me. But this is that that sort of opening, I think, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, as you're out there knocking on doors and talking to people and shaking hands, there's got to be an opening of people who are looking and saying, you've treated us like crap, you counted on our vote, but you're ignoring us now. Things are really expensive. I used to be able to buy bacon and put it in my, you know, a taco, which like, that's what I like to eat in the morning. If I get a choice, I live in Texas. I'm not like Joe Biden. Like this is our, our thing. Breakfast tacos is our jam. And you're going to take our, our bacon and it was $7 for a pound of it. Now it's 12 and now it's 14. And as it edges up, those are real felt costs that people have. And so the regular people that used to not care anything about politics got to have that opening where they're like, Hey shit, like this sucks. And you guys suck. You're the reasons that this sucks. Cause there's no change in the laws at the border. It's literally just a vote happened, a new guy is there, and the enforcement apparatus is not happening the way it used to. Maybe kind of talk about some of the experiences you're having as you're banging on these doors and hearts and minds kind of uh, opportunities. Talking to a lot of real people, real citizens, constituents, if you will, the word that they've, they've been told me is they feel betrayed. They mm -hmm. feel abandoned. Yes, I'm trying to primary uh, uh, an incumbent here because um uh, they go and betray the people. They tell them one thing to the face. They sell them. Uh, they sound so convincing. And at the first moment they go to Washington, D.C., they do the opposite. In this case, vote with the other side 
and 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 I'm telling them some very serious votes, and the people here are like, "Wait a minute, what the heck are you doing, man?" I mean, we we put our trust in you, we put our money in you, we put our time, we volunteered, we did all these things to make you our representative. And as soon as you go over there, you betray us, you abandon us, you ghost us, and they're pissed off. That's the, that's the, that's the bottom line because they're seeing. The, you know, uh, when I started campaigning um, last year, it was economy, border, economy, border, economy, border. And the last couple of months, it's like border, 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 yep. and economy is still there. They're still very concerned about the prices that they're paying, exactly what you said. Um, they don't see any relief. They don't see anyone fighting on their behalf. What they do see is fighting on behalf of other nations, of other people uh um, their money going six thousand miles away they that they do see especially the ones that you mentioned the legal immigrants that came to this country first second generation that they did it the right way they spent a lot of money they did the the health screenings they did everything that was asked of them and right now they're like well what the hell man (laughs) well what are we i mean we we paid we did what we're doing we're following the law We, we don't break the law while we're here we're working hard. We're trying to, you know, educate our kids. And yet we look to our left in Eagle Pass, Texas and Del Rio, Texas and El Paso, which is all part of my district. And the people are just coming in with absolutely no checks whatsoever. And that does something to the people. It, it upsets them. It upset them so much that the Republican Party of Texas here censured the, the incumbent because they said, hey, we're not going to tolerate this anymore. And then censured it. He doesn't care. He's an arrogant guy. But we have these people in Congress doing this as we speak. And so uh, people like me and there's others that are saying, you know what, I have I have some abilities here. I, I'm a regular person. I'm like you. I tell them I'm a real person. They kind of like, what are you talking about? Hey, listen, I have the same struggles that you have. I grew up. I, I have jobs. You could check everything. That I, you could check my resume. You could ask me. Uh, I'm not a, I'm a flawed individual. But let me tell you, uh, I love the state of Texas and my country, and all I feel is the need to fight for it, for all these special needs uh, when it comes to the economy. For me, Kyle, it's public safety, man. Public safety and national security. If you are not, if you do not feel safe in your ranch in West Texas, by the way, that are being patrolled by cartel members, armed, controlled from cartel members walking on their ranches. Now, these are you know thousand acre ranches. And the ranchers tell me, Victor, we have guns in Texas. We could shoot this guy and kill him. But you know what? We're afraid that if we do that, the wrath of the cartel is going to come murder our entire family. Yeah. And so now they're a prisoner in their own uh, property. Put aside the illegal alien traffic of them destroying the fences, destroying their water pipes, destroying their barns, stealing the ATVs, all these uh, sleeping in their own beds. I can tell you thousands of stories of the illegals coming to these ranches no one no one has come to assist them no one has come to address them no one is fighting for them a u.s and some of these people are uh texans from you know generations and they're like we've had about enough we need somebody that's going to back us up like you know we use this term can someone please have our six here Can someone just back us up they just want some kind of uh, a real representation where the community member left from this community to Washington, D.C. and not forget about them. That word betrayal is so important. And and 
uh, my reflection on it, which I have a lot of sense of betrayal of my old agency. I know you have some sense of that from your agency and the way they treated you. You don't get betrayed by people that you never trusted in the first place. You can only be betrayed by people that you let in, that you had some faith that they were doing the right thing, that they would stand by you. Like you say, have your six. That's where betrayal comes from. You send somebody in to represent you and you expect them to represent your interest and they don't. That's what betrayal looks like. That term, it's the same thing that the guys at, at, at the Border Patrol, guys and gals that are out there working that front line, CBP's got to be feeling the same way. They have a responsibility. They got duties. They signed up. They put their life on the line. A lot of them will move to places that are not particularly hospitable or very cool to live in, and they do a job that is rough and, and pretty thankless. And then the thanks they get is not only are we going to you know, pay you a medium and we're going to fight you over overtime, we're not going to give you a pay raise, but we're also going to screw you over on the actual duties you said you would do. And we're not going to even let you do the thing that at least provides the reward when you put up with a lot of uh, crap, essentially. You sort of hope that someone's going to let you do the thing that it makes you feel better. I used to tell the locals this, by the way, you'll probably get a, a kick out of this as a former federal agent. They would say, how come you guys get paid so much more? I said, because your work is more fulfilling and ours is a little bit further away from it. So you're <laughs> every single day making a positive impact in your community. You have an opportunity yeah. to do something great and wonderful right at the level of the, you know, the average citizen that's paying your wage. So you get paid less and I have to like sit behind a desk a lot of the time and do long-term investigations. And it's not nearly as fulfilling. I don't get to go knock on doors and meet people. Nobody says thank you. And so I get paid a little bit more because they got to have someone do this job, which could be less fun. It's It certainly is less fun than being a local cop. And anybody who's worked local and then has gone federal is kind of like, I used to have more fun. I make more money here. You might have a bigger impact long-term. But you're just you just know like that's what betrayal looks like. Um, I'm going to say a quick thanks to one of my th sponsors here. I think it's a good uh, segue. And then we're going to talk crime and we're going to talk Ukraine since you alluded to both of those. And I've got some stuff queued up. So let me uh, let me throw them on the screen real quick, folks. Patriot Coolers, this is what's fueling this conversation right now. You guys are seeing mine. I'm punching through the 19-ounce tumbler. Uh, Patriot Coolers out of Texas. They uh, You can go to PatriotCoolers.com. Again, the website is PatriotCoolers.com. The promo code is always the same. I always get them to use Kyle. And I've got some uh, suspendable merch stickers on mine because I'm kind of a child like that. I've got the upside-down flag. we got the last line <laughs> substack. And uh, these things, they all say Patriot right here in ghost letters. They've got 50 stars in the bottom. they got 13 bars on it, just like you would on American flag. A lot of thought goes into their product. It's a great product. It's a good company and they're Texas America. You got to love that. If you want to have Patriot written on the side of your cup instead of something like Yeti or Lifetime or Coleman or Stanley, you're not a Stanley. You could be a Patriot. Go ahead and support PatriotCoolers.com and the promo code, again, Kyle, supporting the Kyle Serafin Show. We're going to keep uh, talking here to my friend Victor Avila. We're talking about the border. We're talking about crime. We're talking about some of the challenges and the physical apparatus. Let's do the crime thing, if you would, uh, if you'll permit me. Let me throw this up on the screen here just for folks to see. We talked about this guy yesterday, and I think you and I have some insight that others may not. Uh, this is a quick story that was brought up. It just says the uh, the suspect in the murder of a Georgia nursing student allegedly entered the United States illegally. So saith ICE. 26-year-old Jose Ibarra, he was arrested by Customs and Border Protection, that's CBP, we were just talking about the blue uniforms, September 8th of 2022 for unlawful entry into the United States near El Paso, Texas, and then he entered, uh, he got a statement issued by ICE, which is Immigration Custom Enforcement. Let's, uh, let's kind of break it down here, my friend, if you would, with me. Let's talk about who this guy was, the circumstances of this one individual, as best we know, and then if you've got any sort of uh, sourcing on on background material, I'm starting to hear some things from my my folks in the FBI as well. Let's see if we can put our heads together on this guy. Uh, I'm scratching my head. That's what I'm doing with this guy because uh, this is a, a, a unfortunately a perfect example of failure under this administration because of the system that they created. I want people to understand this. 
that what, what we're about to tell you and, and the, the, how this individual came in is not legal. It's, it's not normal. It's not under our own law. It's not covered by the Constitution. It's not covered by the Immigration Nationality Act. It's not. It's under the procedures and policies that have been implemented by this administration. So having said that, this guy is one of millions that has come up to the, in this case, El Paso, Texas, um, and it's basically what they call a give up. He's turning himself up to Border Patrol and says, I'm here, um, you know, seeking asylum, if you will, and uh, I want to be at, gain access into the country. The difference with this guy is that uh, he assaulted a, a federal officer. And we've worked these cases before, Kyle. Um, something went terribly wrong because at that point, I mean, every case that I've worked, uh, in the internal, the, the, the assault of the officer that it occurs to, it doesn't matter what agency that is. The FBI has the jurisdiction and comes in to investigate the criminal case. Um, as an HSI agent, we still have to do our internal investigation, right? And our OPR, our internal affairs and all that. But FBI is always called in on a, on a shooting, uh, an assault on a, a federal officer or an agent, and they come in and take over. Well, that's what that's what happened here. But where, then, yeah, where are you hearing that? Because I'm hearing it from folks that are within the bureau, and obviously, I used to work in that region of the country, so I know some folks in the area. Um, where are you specifically hearing that there was the AFO, uh, which is a, a felony violation of 18 USC of uh, Section 111? That's a regular transactional business. Anybody in the FBI does it the same way. You investigate our own car accidents. They happen almost weekly, sadly enough. But any sort of physical assault on the federal official, and that could be CBP, that could be uh, Border Patrol, could be others. If you assault one... So in this case, it was Border Patrol. It, yeah. it was in green, the, the men in green. Okay. Uh, it was an assault on a, on a, on a patrol, Border Patrol agent. And um, they're, not, they're not giving me a lot of details, but this guy uh, probably went fisticuffs with them, you know? Threw down. And he, he probably punched... Uh, there was, a, there was an, a physical altercation enough for him to be charged with this, or at least could have been easily detained for this. But the crazy part here, Kyle, is that he then continued to the process. And here's here's something very different. So I want people to understand really quick. When these illegals come up and give themselves up, it's Border Patrol. And think of it as a booking of your, of your uh, local police station, of your sheriff's department, right? There's so many people that they had to build different border patrol stations, these facilities. And so they take them there to process them. And this is think this of is, it as a as a booking, right? This is non port of entry, just for, for people to be clear. Non port of this entry. Is entering this is, not, this is in between, yeah, in between the, the ports of entry. They're coming through the either desert or through the river. Yep. And uh then they take to these facilities because there's Border Patrol has a a a station, but they can't do anything at the station because they don't fit anymore because of the number of people. Sure. So they they went to these soft sided facilities that the the taxpayer built and they process these individuals. Then they 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 did different types of processing and that could be another show uh, an NTA uh, release you on your own recognizance. There's all these different notice to appear. There's all these different types of uh, paperwork that they're going to give you, uh, and then you get released. You literally then from that facility released, usually on a bus, takes you to an NGO. The NGO then puts you on an airplane or another bus to make your final destination. 
That, in a nutshell, is how it happens. And we're paying for happen. all of those stages, by the we're way. We're all paying for all this. Yeah, we're, we're paying, paying for, for the NGOs, too. But with this, this scumbag, he was referred to ICE. And this is what is different. He was referred to ICE, and which ICE, Enforcement Removal Operations, ERO, is what controls the uh, detention centers, mm -hmm. uh, the deportation proceedings, the ones that do the internal uh, enforcement of gangs and, and all these things that illegals are involved in. This guy was referred to there and put in a detention facility in ICE. And I'm thinking, okay, because of my experience, they put him there to hold him there because of the assault on the federal officer, which is kind of weird. He would have been in jail. He should have been in jail. And yeah, usually you, locked you, up in El Paso County Jail. Or, you, yeah, you get to send to whatever the federal section is of the local jail if, if the, there's a federal retainer for, yeah. for a county. Um, Otero County in New Mexico has the same thing. It's a county jail, yeah. but the, uh, the the U.S. Marshal Service takes custody because you've been arrested Correct. for a federal crime. doesn't matter where you're from. And now you're being investigated by the FBI, typically. And then... There's witness statements. The Border Patrol agents get interviewed. Like, this is a very normal process. And yes. the best thing about an AFO, an assault on federal officer, as far as what's good about it, is that usually that person is taken into custody right there. They are already right here there. illegally. They're already involved in a scuffle with people. They overwhelm that person. They put them into cuffs. And then they just hold them. And so the FBI's got a captive victim to be able to go through and interview and do the whole process because this person has no right to be in this country in the first place. And now they've shown you know that they're an asshole because they decided to fight our people. <laughs> like, let's just... That's what goes on. And you know who else is involved? The assistant U.S. attorney. Right. Well, we're we're going to definitely, you know, we're definitely going to get to this. That's all we made after we, we did, you know, you call the AUSA on, on, on duty and say, hey, this is what I got. And they say, okay, you're good to go. They give you the green light for prosecution. Okay. I'm not hearing that part here, Kyle. So here's, I'm here, not hearing. Yeah, let me, and let me, because I've been on the other end of that call, right? And so as you're exactly, you're 100% spot on. And this is really important. I like the mechanics for people. The officer, the, the Border Patrol agent may get assaulted. Now, sometimes that's a real assault. And you and I both know sometimes it's not a real assault. Sometimes they got into a scuffle taking somebody into custody and their sunglasses got scratched and they're pissed. So we've had that call. And you're like, come on, bro. Like your sunglasses got scratched. That's part of the gig. That sucks. But, you know, right. move on with your life. They knocked your sunglasses off your head. That's not a fight. Someone throws a blow at you. We're going to go. We're going to go tooth and nail all the way to it. Now. The, as you mentioned, Border Patrol calls the United States Attorney's Office. They get an assistant United States Attorney that's a line prosecutor. And that line prosecutor gives them a thumbs up or down. Yes, I'm likely to take this case, you know, based on what you've told me. There may be some changes later. Or no, I'm not going to take it. This is a declination. We're going to just write it off. And then usually for the FBI's end, the AFO complaint doesn't come in from Border Patrol necessarily. It often comes from the United States Attorney's Office. They'll say, hey, got a call from Border Patrol. We've got a case for you. Will you guys run this AFO? And the answer is yes, of course. So then FBI gets go, you know, goes out and does the work. So that's where we are in this process. And what you're saying is there's some kind of disconnect. I, I, look, I'm happy to punch the FBI right in the eyeball when it needs it. But there's a real chance that this was a United States attorney's office, which is inherently more political than either of our law enforcement agencies, even though there's plenty of problems in all federal law enforcement right now. The United States Attorney's Office is a political beast, and it's run by a political appointee. Maybe let's get into that a little bit. They did the thumbs down, I think. I think you're right. I think they did the thumbs down because this guy is then put in a ICE detention facility and then released, Kyle, released to the streets, man, from ICE. At one point decided the assault wasn't enough. <laughs> 
not enough to at least even start looking at the guy even more, right? At this point, you you have him, you detain him. Now you could actually do a proper vetting of this guy, uh, interrogations, uh, database checks, phone calls to foreign countries. I mean, you start doing a real vetting here, but that didn't happen. He got released from ICE detention facility. Someone gave the okay for this guy to hit the street, and he ends up in the interior of the country. And um, and it, 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 let me tell you, he's not the only one. There's so many that fall through the crack of their own system, of their own policy that they invented. This is all invented, by the way. This is not this is not regular procedure. This is a uh, this is not what's supposed to happen. People are supposed to be detained in this country. First of all, just for being illegal to begin with. Second of all, you assault a federal officer. That's it. You're not. You, you, this guy, at, at minimum, should have been returned. At minimum, right then and there, say you're not going anywhere. We're going to put you in proceedings to remove you from the country. That didn't happen. Someone made the call that 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 wasn't enough anymore, and 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 allowed uh, him to continue and make his way, I believe, to New York first, right? Yeah, so then first New York, and then, of course, they're a sanctuary area, and they don't play nicely with ICE. So they're, even when they arrested him, there was no detainer because they let him go right away. And then eventually we get to the point where we've got this sort of horrible scenario. I'm going to play a quick little CNN clip if you want to take a, a quick breather. And, and this is about a two-minute clip for people to get a, an intro again. We're going to reintroduce what this case is about. And uh, uh, CBS did a, a little take on it. So we'll listen to that for a second, and then uh, we'll come right back and kind of discuss the failures of it and and what the, you know, the— one single N equals one experiment of this this policy affecting a family forever and affecting an entire community forever. So here's a little taste of that. Tonight, there's anguish and anger in the small college town of Athens, Georgia, following the murder of a 22-year-old nursing student. Police are calling the tragic death a crime of opportunity. CBS's Mark Strassman reports now the suspect's immigration status has the governor blaming the White House for the woman's death. Campus is really heavy right now. We're all heartbroken. Heartbreak that goes with senselessness. That's what's striking here. To hundreds of people gathering at this remembrance and to anyone who has heard the story of Lake and Riley's murder. She was devoted to making this world a better place. And we have no doubt that she would have been an incredible nurse. In Athens, Georgia, your classic college town, the nursing student, just 22, was killed while running alone. Police found Riley's body behind this lake, a popular jogging trail, dead from blunt force trauma. Behind bars, 26-year-old Jose Ibarra, charged with her murder. And to many Americans, Ibarra has also become the new face of illegal immigration. Lakin's death is a direct result of failed policies on the federal level and an unwillingness by this White House to secure the southern border. ICE says the 26-year-old Venezuelan native illegally crossed the U.S. southern border in September of 2022. He was processed there and released. Now Athens police have him in custody, also struck by the senselessness. He did not know her at all. Um, I think this was a crime of opportunity. This college community is grateful for a quick arrest. But like her fellow nursing students, the grief will linger for anyone in Lake and Riley's world. You think of it as the perfect college town and now it kind of feels like that bubble is almost busted. On the family's GoFundMe page, they said Lakin was an amazing daughter, sister and friend, adding she'll be missed every day. 
Oh, I muted myself. So there we go. Uh, what I'm hearing too about this, and and you tell me if this makes sense, that this guy was actually set up in the system to be removed under two different sections. And I'm not sure what these sections are, if these are internal code, but section 212 and 237. Are those familiar to you? Yeah, 212, 237, they're inadmissibility codes, if you will, uh, which basically <laughs> for the layman's terms, you're here illegally. And this is the Immigration Nationality Act code that we're gonna use to remove you. Um, by the way, I forgot to mention this. Um, I got reports that he was here with a family unit. Uh, he came in with a possible wife and child. We don't know that the child that he was with at the border is his child or not. But when he gets arrested in, in, in uh, New York for child endangerment of a five-year-old, we're assuming here, we don't know. Uh, this, this is, this, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're guessing here that it might be an assault against the child that he actually came in with. Sure. That, uh, and, and, I, and I failed to say this because that might have been a reason he was released because this administration treats family units very differently and the bad guys know that i bring my i bring a child with me and all the different policies and procedures change and they give me even an easier pathway to come in that might be the reason why this guy got released is because well he's with his wife and his child let him go back with him simple as that so you and i know that well, that families are separated every time when the crime is committed. I mean, that's the way it happens at every level. Yeah, I mean, and so we, they, don't, we, they don't want to see that because, well, you separated the family, you're the bad guy, you know? Well, they do that. I mean, just look at the January 6th stuff. It, it, people can take that as a misdemeanors. You're literally going to take, uh, we, we separate people every single search warrant, every single arrest operation. And if you're an adult, you're probably going to end up in cuffs sitting still. And then we'll let you out when we know who you are. This is common. This is not inhumane treatment. This is not a human rights violation. This is just how law enforcement plays. What I heard, and and this may be very similar to what you're hearing, five people came in in that encounter, one of which was his brother who was working at the uh, the, the cafeteria at the University of Georgia. That's awful. Uh, and then we also heard, obviously, this uh, this Jose uh, Ibarra or Ibarra was one of them. And then potentially three others, maybe wife or some female, younger, and then maybe another minor. And that's where the altercation took place. So these are the things that we're hearing. You and I are hearing the same things from different sources because your sources are not my sources. And the people that talk to me don't talk to you necessarily. I don't think they do. <laughs> we haven't run the we haven't run down that rabbit hole to see. But I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying that we have different overlapping fields. Right. And, and when two people are hearing this from different federal groups, from different federal agencies, there's probably a lot of truth to this. What it also tells me is that there are people behind the scenes that are upset about this situation in the same way the American people are for different reasons, because we know that the system failed. I want to I want to add one more thing to you, because one of my buddies brought this up to me. And this is a real, real darkness. I think this is the only way that we get through to our leftist liberal type, maybe maybe the good meaning, compassionate people that are confused. And they don't understand the threat. They don't understand the problem we're talking about. I had an FBI agent say today we are the modern day slave patrols. I want you to think about that for a second as based on what you just told us. We don't know that that child was his actual biological child. And as I as I understand it, the Trump administration used to do familial DNA swabs to confirm lineage between a child and an adult that was bringing them across the border. They don't do that anymore. And so now we have people that are children or young women, uh, young ladies that are 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, not the age of majority, running away from potential sex traffickers. They are listed as kidnapped or runaways. 
and we are now involving federal resources and local law enforcement to go and get them, bring them back to exactly the place that they escaped captivity because they look none too happy about being returned. And we have no confirmation that the person that we are dropping them back with are, in fact, their family members. Little reflection on that, having worked the kind of cases you've done and what that no, means. No, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's my subject matter expertise is human trafficking investigations and victim identification. And we have given this, uh, uh, this administration has taken this authority and exploited it, which is what we try to prevent of these victims is the exploitation, mostly for the sex slave trade. We have a lot of forced labor uh, as well in the country. And uh, the airlines are complicit. Mm -hmm. TSA is complicit because I have flown with these kids on an airplane next to me, Kyle, several times where the child is with an adult male that is not their father because I questioned him. I did what I used to do as, a, as an agent and they had no idea who this child was, yet they were the caretaker. They were that transporter to get them to Florida, wherever the final desti destination was. And I'm thinking, you can only imagine how outraged I am sitting next to him in the same seat on the airplane saying, this is what I used to put you in jail for. This is what I used to do and I have no, no ability to do it, uh, the helplessness. And, but most of all, like what you said, is the acceptance of this administration they're the, they're the uh, Joe Biden is the number one human trafficker in the world. 385,000 unaccompanied children have come in. Almost 100,000 of them are lost. Lost, Kyle. That means that they went through Health and Human Services. Health and Human Services gave up that child to someone, someone, somewhere. And they washed their hands and they said, well, we gave it to Joe Blow in Chicago. Well, nobody checked Joe Blow in Chicago. Nobody went and knocked on the door to say, hey, who the hell are you? hundred thousand kids. This is incredible, man. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something special about that if I get into Congress. It's form a task force to go find these kids, man. We gotta go rescue these kids. But uh, going back to this case, uh, this guy, this is the problem with this case, and unfortunately, it is gonna be uh, the face of the failures of this administration. But the opportunities that not only the federal government but the NYPD they had them. They got him. They arrested him for child endangerment. It's, for, it's so you failure at every level. You had so many opportunities to get this guy and get him off the streets. Yeah. But because of the warped criminal justice system that we live under and this bail reform crap and public safety is not in the minds of these uh, people in charge, uh, elected and non-elected officials are making these decisions of releasing these people. By the way, uh, he goes down to Georgia. And then you mentioned the brother. The brother's here on a, uh, he's here, then he gets access to a, a buys, more than likely a fraudulent resident alien card. And, and um, he, so he's working at, at the university with someone's identity. It's a fraudulent card. Uh, and, and I worked so many of these cases that uh, unless you have been through this, you, 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 you try to ignore it. My, I have a twin sister. My twin sister identity was stolen by an illegal alien female and it got so bad that she got issued a brand new social security number uh this happens all the time by illegals buying uh and uh stealing your identity fraudulent social security card driver's license resonating card and here's another case in front of the whole world that that's what these guys were doing uh and and the university didn't have e-verify so they weren't able to check that uh, actual uh, uh, card to see. In fact, this guy was uh, legally here. And 
And then, you know, I, I kind of cringe when I hear it's a crime of opportunity. Uh, it, 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 I have a 23-year-old daughter, man. This case affected me. Uh, and she's in college, too. And, and I'm thinking, a crime of opportunity, this guy, this guy didn't do this. This is not the first time. He's a criminal. How many other crimes that he committed in, 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 in uh, Venezuela? Is he a member of the cartel? Is he a member of a Tren de Aragua? I have a lot of questions if I had this guy in front of me. What are his ties? Uh, crime of opportunity, he didn't, I don't think he just woke up one day and said, ah, you know what, there's a girl jogging. I think, no, these guys are evil, man. These That's guys have a definite criminal mindset. It's such an important point because the stuff we're hearing about is that it wasn't just a, like a somebody got shot. It wasn't like a robbery gone bad. This was a brutal beating to death. And that takes a certain type of sick uh, pathology that we've seen some of it. And when you see that kind of evil and you and you deal with it and somebody is perfectly comfortable with using just brute physical force to destroy another human being and take them away from their family and think nothing of it. Like that was a decision they woke up and they were like, yeah, today I'm going to just hunt this human being. Those are predators. That's what they are. And and that's the whole concept of the sheepdog and the wolf and the and the and the sheep that we we hear about when we talk about guys like uh, Colonel Grossman. There is a mentality and and guys like you and me have that same mentality. Like, I want to hunt those guys. I want to hunt them. I want to drag them down. I want to throw them into prison or throw them into a wood chipper, whatever my legal authorities look like. And we want to stop that sort of evil from existing so that people who don't have to know about it. Think about this girl. She's 22 years old. She's a nursing student. I've got a video I'll play at the end of the show. It just shows she looks like the sweetest, happiest, probably politically left based on just who she is because her age. That's how young girls are. They're compassionate and they don't necessarily have a lot of life experience. Just a sweet human being. And, and like I only bring the politics of it because it's not relevant. She's a person that's going out into the world. She chose a caring profession, which is what nursing is. She's going to stand on her own two feet and make an income. She's going to pay back student loans. She's going to be a taxpayer. She's going to be a productive member of society. You know, she may be a mom one day. All these things are snatched away from the, her and her family and her friends. And they're all going to have to remember this forever. They'll never not know this story. It will never not impact them because some uh, evil son of a bitch is out there. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to mention is, yeah, you know, as criminal investigators, you the one of the first things you look at is motive, right? What was the motive here? Um, it wasn't a robbery. Nope. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't financial. It was. What is the motive? And and it's scary when you can't just see that right away. Right. You know, and like you said, uh, a drug deal gone bad, uh, a carjacking. Well, you know, there's, there's there's you know, on the surface, you could kind of see the motive right away. In this case, this guy is just pure evil, man. This guy, uh, and 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 it's hard to it's hard to say, but you have to say it. she was bludgeoned to death, and that that's not. That's a, a very different type of intention and agenda that this guy had that day. And we are importing those people from Venezuela because we do know, and it's even confirmed from DHS, that they released their pr uh, prisoners, that they released these people from the rehabilitation centers specifically to come to the United States. Maybe he's one of them, but we, yeah. we never checked. We didn't have the databases. We never vetted him. And because of the movement of this administration, move them out, move them out, process them, get them in, get them in, family unit even faster. And here we find ourselves, and, and I, wanna, I wanna say this, thousands of victims, Kyle, thousands of victims at the hands of illegal aliens in this country. Uh, I confronted a, uh, a very left uh, uh, Congresswoman once, my wife actually did in El Paso, uh, Veronica Escobar, and we had this really long discussion and she all of a sudden 
she's far left and she came to the center was agreeing with me and all that stuff and i i i felt patronized you know and i said don't don't, don't do that to me you know if i know who you are but then at the very end i left her with this and i said listen congresswoman what you need to do is pay attention to the victims of the united states of america at the hands of illegal aliens you know what she said mm -hmm. immediately they denied it oh no oh no that's not true There's we have a lot everybody commits crimes listen i know everybody commits crimes but these crimes i believe in my heart they're 100 percent preventable that's the because point. they weren't supposed to be here in the first place that's the we point. have to deal with our own shit in this country i understand that but it upsets me because these crimes what do you say you go talk to that family what do you say to them that that's going to comfort them that an illegal alien came to this country to kill them or give them a fentanyl pill lace uh, a, a counterfeit pill laced with fentanyl this is the world that we live in man and it's time for us to start getting upset about it when you say it's 100 percent preventable it's like you pay for an apparatus that's supposed to make this one threat not be real for you and it failed because of policies that are prevent like that that are not being implemented. It's the betrayal of Border Patrol. It's the betrayal to trust the American people on this. I want to I want to kind of talk about meeting people where they are. You talk about talking to a far left congresswoman. This is a thing that I think that a reason why you're such a strong candidate going into Congress. And I, I'm not like a political endorsing kind of guy. And I don't think anybody cares what I do. But let me just say that having someone that understands it. And, and I want you to validate this story if you would. And maybe you can add to it too. One of the things that we would see is let's say you bring in a hundred illegal aliens and they come in here completely illegally and your bleeding heart compassion says everybody should have a shot at American freedom. Everybody should have all the opportunities I have, which I disagree with, but let's just take them at their word that they mean it in a good way. You bring that hundred people in, in a hundred people, 1% of them, maybe one of them is going to be evil, is going to have some real evil, nefarious purposes. It may be way more than that, but let's just use one out of a hundred. Wait. That one person now has a captive victim population that doesn't have access to law enforcement, that doesn't understand the language, that doesn't know local culture and has no support network. There are 99 victims for that one guy and he will live off them and he will prey on them and he will extort them for the stupidest, smallest amount of money. We used to work extortion cases for 20 bucks a week and that person would do that for a hundred and they would make $200,000 a year in cash, either through MS-13 or through one of the other, you know, cartels that come in here that operate the human or the, the transnational organized crime groups, they would extort this group of people under threat of, if you don't pay me 20 bucks a week from your illegal business that you're doing, either cleaning houses or selling beer out of your car or whatever, if you don't pay me that 20 bucks a week, I'm going to kill somebody in your family. And then about once a year, they kill somebody in somebody's family to let everybody know they're serious. And we'd find the body a year or two later. And so we'd never know who did it and we'd never find out. But there's low level enforcement. There's a lot of money involved. And these captive victims come in here. They left some, as President Trump would say, a shithole country. They came to the United States looking for that opportunity. And they found themselves in a worse situation than even in their home. Because at least their family was there. At least they spoke the language. They understood the corruption. Now they're in a place that they are completely detached from everything they knew. Or they're being trafficked. And all this kind of stuff is like, that's the argument for liberals to me. I don't think they understand the scope. And maybe you've got some additional kind of shade for that. Well, I, I got to give you kudos for that, man. You're spot on when it comes to that, because that person that's coming from that country, that's what they know. They know extortion. They know kidnapping. They know corruption in their country. They're just just the involvement, just interaction with law enforcement is very different than it is in our own country. Uh, they don't know what it is to get pulled over. It's very different. In, in, Start in Mexico and the rest. I've been to a lot of parts around the world. It's very different. You do not, uh, they don't even know how to interact with that. But you know what, Kyle, you're absolutely right. They're bringing that 
they're bringing those that culture that ideology that they know no better of anything whether it's socialist communist politically religious uh culturally whatever that's what they're in instituting here and you bring up a very good point yes they're victimizing our americans but they also victimize their victimize their own community guess where they live they live they come back they get deported they come back right to the same housing complex or wherever they used to live yeah. and they do victimize their own people they extort them they have control over them because they share the language the culture and all that there's a place in um in Dallas, Texas, that they have basically taken over this apartment complex. It's called Via Dallas, and it's all Venezuelans, and they control everything. And they're committing crimes that you couldn't believe there, uh, property crimes, violent crimes. And there's another one in Florida. And they've been doing this uh, throughout the country. That's not assimilation, man. That's no. not wanting to be an American and the American dream, and I'm going to get an education, and I'm going to do better for No, these guys are 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 they don't know any better they don't want to know any better they don't want to change this is what we have been importing into our country and that's just one country then you start talking you could talk china we could talk uh cuba we could talk uh, uh africa yep. middle east eastern europe man i'm telling you this is a this is a big national security issue for our country. A hundred percent. And there's another one of those right outside of Washington D.C. It's called Casa de Maryland. We used to work that all the time. That's a, that's a Salvadorian uh, complex. And and just as a just a simple case in point, I was sitting out there on a Sunday afternoon with uh, you know it's the church. We were sitting in a church parking lot right next to it. We could hear what was going on, and that you could hear the hustle and bustle. And there's all kinds of local market things happening in the in the complex. We heard something like, you know, pop, 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 pop. You heard like, okay, there's five, there's six, there's eight, there's 12, there's 25 shots being fired. We go out there and we drive into it. Everyone saddles up because we were, you know, getting ready to run a, a, a source in there and work on these extortion cases. We go running into that that uh, complex. Nobody's moving. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's hiding. Like, it's just somebody got killed in the stairwell somewhere. And that's business as usual for those people on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. That's not what America is about. They didn't assimilate at all. Um, this brings to me to this, this concept of what, what we're importing and you've had a lot of experience overseas. You've had experience in Mexico. You've been shot in Mexico, which not very many people that are American agents can talk about. Let's talk about the level of violence in both second world, like, and the developing worlds. We called it third world when I was growing up, but now it's known as developing nations. The level of violence that is absolutely foreign to Americans that we have no concept of that is being brought in the limb chopping, this kind of stuff. Can you kind of talk about like the stuff? You, I know you even saw it when you were working across from Juarez. Oh, well, yeah. Let's just talk about violence being imported to this country at a level that Americans have no no sense of. It's, uh, it's barbaric. It's medieval. It is sometimes un, un, uncomprehensible. Uh, you can't comprehend because of the level of violence of what these human beings are capable to do to another to a child that I've seen, and I can't get those images out of my head. But, you know, everybody, when they talk about terrorism, they talk about, you know, Iran and, and all these uh, uh, special interest countries that support terrorism. Well, the cartels are more violent. They're more terror, uh, have more terrorist activities under the belt than some than ISIS, per se. Uh, they've killed more Americans. They've killed the Mexican nationals. They're killing themselves. They're killing innocent bystanders. But the problem here is that these guys have taken it to a different level. And this, I would say, in the last uh, 15 years is when the, they upped the level of violence because now 
uh, one cartel will have to intimidate the other cartel. Well, they're not intimidated anymore by just chopping off the head of a person that's still alive. That's not good enough anymore. So they have to up the game. So what do we do? We'll skin you alive. While you're alive, we'll skin you, take off your skin, <clears throat> and put it over our own face and show a video of that because they love the propaganda. We will rip your heart out of your chest while you're still alive and hold it while it's still beating in my hand and do a video about it. We will play soccer with your human head. I mean, this is, I'm just describing them. Yeah, these are these are like Hollywood level uh, special effects nightmares that people can't even fathom. And and it's it's a real life discussion, like literally people that are racing to the bottom of human depravity, like middle-aged level, you know, gruesomeness. And and we have no Gruesome. concept in, in modern society, in a Western society with civilized people. You, we have no concept of it. I had just talked to a guy the other day who was on Operation Lone Star. So people that you've probably talked to as well, guys who were in the National Guard, watching members of cartels that were pissed off at certain people that hadn't done what they were said or that they were sending people across the river and they wanted to send the message to the family member, literally hacking off limbs with machetes. As the family was coming into the U.S., the National Guard is watching them across into another foreign sovereign nation. They have no ability to affect it. You know, guy like you and me, real easy shot across a river, taking out one of these clowns with a, with a knife that's cutting someone off, and we have no legal authority to do that. You're not allowed to go even intervene in this, this crisis, and yet we're importing that level of violence and that understanding that that could be their reality. They're bringing that kind of thing in to the point where I've had guys on the show talk about the, the migrant shelter saying – a kid fighting over a Game Boy or a Game Gear or whatever the hell it is, a Nintendo Switch. And they're like, yeah. I, you know, back home, I would have cut your hands off for this. It's like, we don't have 10-year-olds that oh, think about that way in this country. You brought something up in San Antonio where I'm at. Um, the They're shutting down some of these facilities because something happened in there. I think someone either was killed in there, stabbed, or something serious happened. Uh, another thing with these facilities, that they, they combine all these people, right? These are rival gang members. Think of it, you... You would never in a regular jail put a blood in a crib in the same cell. Exactly. In the yep. same, you wouldn't. Well, ICE, ICE and the NGOs, they're not they are not experts in this. They don't do that. There's no uh, uh, categorization of a person. And they'll sometimes put a, a 17-year-old with an 11-year-old little girl, and then she ends up getting raped, and they wonder why that happened. Right. And so, the, 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 anyway, a lot of those things are happening. But the violence, and by the way, that violence happens, continues to happen right now. I still get the videos uh, from my sources. I don't even want to watch them anymore, man. I, I, they send me a video and I start two, three seconds. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. It's it's it's, it's this people getting cut off from from chest down. Like I mean, while they're alive, it, it burned alive and cooked alive. I mean, I want people to understand that they're here. Right. They're in the United States. And Those people that I just described. And, and that's in their mind. That's the thing that they're capable of doing because they've seen it before. They've done it before. And 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 it might be for something as simple as you disrespecting them mm -hmm. by looking them the wrong way. And you have no idea. You're going to Walmart. You're an American. You don't know what that is. You bump, you bump into these people. They're in your community. They, they're at the gas station. You're at the Walmart. You're at the, you will bump into these people. They are in our community. And the public safety aspect of it uh, has been ignored for so long in this country that that's the number one complaint I get from people. People are like, can we just clean up the crime to begin with, please? And then, uh, like I mentioned before, you have these violent criminals, uh, most of them are attached to organized crime, 
uh, attached a lot to the local gangs. Uh, you know, they, they, these local gangs work hand in hand with the cartels. They're pushing the meth, they're pushing the fentanyl. College students, universities, illegals themselves uh, having to work for the cartels, even though they don't want to. You might have a good kid that doesn't want to doesn't want to participate in this, but guess what? You owe the cartel part of that smuggling fee. And so now you're going to go and enroll in the local community college and start selling meth. I'm telling you, man, uh, I don't know why we know this. It's happening. Police departments know this. Federal agencies know this. But it's not being addressed because of politics, kind of? Because they hate bad orange man? I mean, it's, is yeah. it out of spite? Listen, we, we have to get to a point here where we, we need to regroup here. We need to regroup and 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 notify ourselves and our communities what is the um, what is best for us. And it sounds a little bit selfish, but listen, I'm a, I'm not apologetic about it. We have been distributing to everywhere else around the world, but now we need to distribute amongst ourselves. And I'm talking about our own resources, our own public safety, our own healthcare, and hopefully that'll change. I'm hoping that'll be part of that solution. Yeah, I, it, it's just so wild, and I, I keep saying, and I, and I believe this in my, in my heart of hearts. I believe that Americans, generally speaking, eighty percent of Americans are in the middle. They're on some left or right version of the middle, but we all agree that we don't want our kids beaten to death because they went for a jog. We know that we don't want to see kids that are used to violence of cutting each other's hands off as being the solution to "you took my thing" in a, in a middle school. Like that's not, that's not an American position. And we want people to come here and enjoy American freedom. Sure legally or illegally, but we don't want them to come here and bring evil with them. And so if that's the cost that we have to basically, you know, allow our children to be raped or, or taken into custody and, and, and kidnapped and, and have them beaten and all the other kind of horrible things like that should be a pretty easy sell to the political left, but we do have to meet them on their ground. We have to talk to them in terms of compassion that even these people that are coming over illegally, they're not coming here and getting the dream life that they always wanted. They're coming in, they're living in squalor. They're living in misery. They're living in fear. They're living in captivity. And they are being threatened and extorted and all the things you just said. And then the last thing is, is that we see all of our, our national resources being exported. I got a video I'm going to play you of Chuck Schumer. I'll get your reaction on this. You probably know what's coming here. But um, we got to take care of our home first, as you just said. This is another great example of why that doesn't work. If you want to grab a drink of coffee here, we've got about uh, 60 seconds from Chuck to try to gag on before we go and talk about Ukraine stuff. <laughs> With this urgent aid package, Congress has a chance to ensure Ukraine wins the war, to ensure Putin is not victorious to ensure that Western democracy can thrive in the 21st century. And let me say, if our allies see that America doesn't support its ally Ukraine, they will no longer be ally our allies. They will know that they cannot depend on America. And even worse, if the autocrats, the vicious dictators like Putin, like Xi, like the heads of North Korea and Iran, See that the United States will turn away from a challenge like this, they will be emboldened. So anyone who thinks that, oh, this is far away, this does not have consequences for the American people are wrong. If we turn away from Ukraine over the next decade and several decades, the American people and America will pay the price diplomatically, politically, economically, militarily. It's a moment. History's looking at us. So we must do it. <laughs> if you guys, if that makes you kind of sick, uh, you guys can uh, 
kind of hedge yourself against what's coming. We know that our politicians aren't paying attention to us. So I want to just uh, say our podcast is brought to you again by forpatriots.com slash Kyle. That's the website to go to. They've got some deals worked out. You won't get a discount on everything they sell, but if you guys want to get prepared instead of repairing, knowing that our politicians with their fake size are not coming to look for us, they're not solving our problems at the moment. They're uh, looking to export more money. Again, it's for the number four patriots.com slash Kyle. And uh, you guys want to get yourself some emergency food, some continuity of comms, if you want to make sure that you have access to things like a solar generator or having a solar battery set so you can make sure you can make those phone calls when things get weird. Uh, we're getting something happening in 2024. There's no doubt in my mind about it. We have strange things happening, whether it happens locally, whether it happens regionally, or whether it's a national problem. You guys want to make sure that you're hedging against that that concern and having a little bit of calories so you got some wiggle room to make some good decisions instead of panicking because you're out of food. Make sure you guys are sitting that thing set up. Go to four, the number four, patriots.com slash Kyle. That's uh, that's my my plea to you guys. Don't be the casualty of, of circumstances because there's all kinds of stupidity that goes on. Uh, right now, we are still talking to Victor Avila. He's running for Congress in the 23rd in Texas. He's trying to tell you guys some of the issues that are out there. I think you get a real sense that he understands these problems, at least the border issues, very, very dramatically. Let's talk about foreign money. Let's talk about solving other people's problems while we have all these at home. What do you, what do you think's going on here, Victor? What, you like Chuck Schumer's take on this? <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're right. I want to throw up, but uh, it, it, why have we gotten to this point where we have put everybody else first uh, instead of our own country and our own citizens first? And I'm talking about let's just talk about money. Let's just talk about the budget. We have sent so much money, billions of dollars, to foreign nations, and the ones that we're talking about when it comes to illegal immigration, Mexico, Central America, and many other countries, and the aid that we still continue to give them. Yet we're not getting any. Uh, return on our investment, not positive one at least. And I want to be able to change that because the people are demanding that. The people are asking why that continues to happen. Why isn't the border fortified? Imagine if we had sent a uh, hundred billion. I don't even know what we lost count with uh, with Ukraine. We're over at 130. I have no idea. It's just too much money. But imagine if we just would have said 50 billion dollars. For all agencies, and, I don't, and I'm not talking about just Border Patrol, I'm talking about all the USA federal agencies along the border, including FBI, DEA, U.S. Marshals, the U.S. courts, um, uh, and, and given that money and those resources, Mike, we wouldn't have been having this conversation it's today. The, it's the cost of the entire Marine Corps, that 50 or $60 billion. That's the cost of the entire United... Like, imagine sending every Marine in the United States to the border to solve right. a problem. That's what we're talking about. Like, that is a significant fighting force. That would be a significant administrative force. Um, when you're out there banging on doors, when you're out there kissing babies and, and uh, shaking hands, which I have to... I feel like you're good at that. Uh, not that you wanted to. Let, let me throw this in here. Are people saying, listen, Victor, I, I get it. You're worried about the border, but how much more money? Can we send more money to Ukraine? We need to take care of the Ukrainians. Are you getting any rumbling that that's the world that they live in down there in the Texas border? They, they don't, let me tell you, Ukraine is furthest from their mind. They, they, they don't care. They don't care about Ukraine. They care about rural health care in West Texas where they don't have anywhere to go see a doctor for an hour and a half drive. Yeah. That's what they care they care about having a vocational school in Del Rio, Texas, because there is no one. They want a trade school. These are these are not hard ass, Kyle. These are everyday, better your community and and uh, and lifestyle of where you at. They're not demanding. They're not demanding this incredible uh, uh, thing that uh, that I wouldn't be able to do. They're asking for very. You know what they're asking for, Kyle? How about the representative 
show up. How about you actually pay attention to us for once and just show up and talk to us? How about we start there? Let me tell you, they're not they're, they're, they're good people. They're not asking for extraordinary things. But I'll tell you what they are asking for is to stop uh, approving these omnibus bills and stop approving the, the, the money going to foreign countries and Ukraine. They're like, we don't want you to vote for that. We want you to vote for things that are going to impact us locally because, you know, Congress, Congress, these votes, although you're representing your district, are are impacted nationally. Right. These votes are big. Look at what we're, we're about to come up with, Kyle. And already yesterday I was already my stomach was already turning with here we are, the Republicans again folding on the continued resolution because of the budget. Oh, my God. Here we go again. We cannot. Why are why don't we have negotiators, man? Why don't we have people negotiating on behalf of the American people and saying, no, this is not the way it's going to be. And we're going to gather all these people to vote no on this. No, we don't have enough in Congress. And we're probably going to get a continued resolution till September. And guess what's going to be in, uh, approved in there? Money for Ukraine, man. Of course. And no money for the border. Listen, the people have had enough. It's upside down and backwards, Kyle. It's it's it, 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 we're in a twilight zone here. We're in la la land here. It, it makes no sense that the resources going to people other than us. But it's not just about the money. It's also about the attention. That's right. Uh, I mean, I mean, look at look at Chuck Schumer's speech. What is he talking about? We're America? having a moment. We're having a moment, Victor. It's a moment. <laughs> <sighs> it's that moment where ah, we can decide, like, how weird is it that we even have people that claim to be, quote unquote, America first candidate? Like, I, I got major problems with our Speaker of the House right now, who literally said something. He said, I'm an America first guy, and our biggest priority is sending our money over to not America. Like, what in the hell are you talking about? What planet are we living in where we listen to people say that? I don't care if you're a good person or a Christian. I just care that you say the thing and do the thing that you said. Um, do you, let me let me lightning round real quick. Do you ever shop at Walmart? Yeah. Do you ever oh, buy yeah. you buy your own groceries? Yeah. You got a driver that takes you places, or are you behind the wheel? <laughs> no, no, I, I get in my pickup truck and go myself. <laughs> How many regular guys are we not sending to Congress? Like, who are these people that get groomed in there that have these moments where they just don't make any bit Thank of sense? You. And they've never done like uh, I I mean, are you clipping coupons if you have an opportunity? Somebody offers you a dollar off on a product, are you more interested? Like simple stuff that I just want to know that my Can I share something real quick? Please, please. Share? Yeah. Sometimes I find myself uh, with the blower out there. I'm cleaning the yard, and I'm like, uh, if people would only see me right now, how I'm a real person, uh, I, I roll that trash can to the curb. By I, yourself? Uh, by myself. That's nobody right. has, Nobody does it for me. I pick up my own uh, shirt from the dry cleaner. Uh, yes, I go into Walmart and shop. Yes, uh, uh, I have to take my pickup truck to get an oil change, just like you. I'm a real American like you. And I and yes, I'm involved politically and yes, I'm involved with the community and I go do my meetings and speeches and things and because uh, I got to make a living. Uh, but you will find me in some situations you would think this guy. Yeah. And I'm not ashamed of it, Kyle. I'm proud of it. No, that's the thing to be proud of. Like, I, I don't want to have politicians that are professional, that that's their job. I mean, if you think about the way our founding fathers operated this country, the reason why we have congressional recesses is because they had to leave their business in somebody else's hands that they trusted, and they had to commute back to their farms and their their you know agriculture and their industry, and they had to go and make America work because they were working people. They just also had enough money and prestige and power, and they could delegate a little bit. They could go and spend some time trying to operate the country, but 
we're so backwards that we think that these politicians are something special. That's why I, I have George Santos on every uh, on some of these Twitter spaces. I just call yeah. him George because I know that he's George, and I know if I met him, I would call him George. And I just want to call people by their name. It's like, look, there's a yeah. there's a certain amount of dignity that comes with the office, but you better earn that dignity. And it doesn't seem like many of our politicians are earning the dignity that they get from the office. It, we're, we're wagging. Well, the, it's it, it, it's the it's the disconnection from uh, that bubble in Washington D.C. to the real world. I gotta pay my taxes, man. I have I have all the paperwork there, uh, I, 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 and so I think people are craving for a real person. For sure, I'm not independently wealthy. Uh, it, this is a grassroots effort. All the money that we raise has been from individual uh, donors, small amounts here, there, there. Some people that have helped us out. It is uh, it is a real nice uh, community effort because I tell people all the time, listen. Don't don't I don't want them to think I want them to change this. That first of all, the power is going to go back to the people. It's we the people. It's I'm the employee. You're the employer. I recognize my role easily. But I'm telling them we're going to Washington together. It's not like, oh, we're going to send Victor to see what happens. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is a team effort, man. This is a team effort. We're going together. I'm not I'm not going to be gone. Uh, I'm going to be part of this community and I'll be back. And, and whether I like it or not, I will have the the courage and the uh, the dignity, the um, uh, the ability to come back in front of you and discuss some of these decisions that were made. Some of them are going to be hard. I understand. I know this is not easy. But listen, I'm going to go over there and negotiate with the, all those skills that I bring from everything that you know that we've done. I've been in, I've negotiated many many different high high levels and low levels, and sometimes there's no difference, Kyle. Nope. It's just the difference is the type of of language that you use. That's it. Yeah. But I've been in those situations and I want to be in that situation on behalf of the people. They're craving for somebody that me to say, what the hell's going on with the speaker? Why is he, why is he doing this? Why are we caving? Why are we, you know? So all of that, I think is what we do it one rep at a time, mm -hmm. one at a time, one at a time and weed out these so-called rhinos that have betrayed us and are, are there for the betterment of, I don't know who, themselves, uh, donors, uh, special interests, uh, I don't know, lobbyists, I don't know. I know it's not the people. And and that alone, I think, has resonated a lot with people. I said, um, sometimes just by speaking Spanish to them, Kyle, I was in Eagle Pass, Texas, and there was this thing, there was some other candidates there, and, and I don't know what happened to me. I said, I was on stage, very, they speak a lot of Spanish there. Sure. I went up there and I just did it all in Spanish. You should have seen the look. They looked like, who the hell is this guy? Well, I speak Spanish just like you. Yeah. I'm from the community. I grew up on the border town. Yeah. And, you, and, and sometimes and, the Spanish word is the better word. You should have word. seen the response. Like, like who? they were confused. Like, who are you? I'm nothing special. What I am is a warrior and a fighter, battle tested. I can tell you that you're going to get. In, in the halls of Congress. Well, and and I, I actually have this up here, so let me throw it up on the screen here because that's a, that's one of the pieces from your campaign website. So folks, you can kind of see that. If you want to go to Victor Avila 4, spelled out F-O-R, congress.com, you can go see the website. You can read the story here. We're going to talk a little, fur uh, a little further. I know what you're talking about right there. The words that kept coming to my mind when you were discussing it is humility and, and servant leadership, which are very Christian concepts. They're things that we understand inherently in this country are desirable, like people who want to serve, or the people that we want to see it, but you just mentioned battle tested. So let's get into that. You're, you've had a fight for your life, which many people will never experience surrounded enemy territory, uh, doing the job that you're paid to do 
ambushed by people that are truly evil, that have no qualms with snuffing out you, your life and, and your partner's life. And you fought through it. You came out the other side of it, right? And tell me about how that turns the volume down on somebody hurting your feelings in a, in a political environment. Because I've been around an, enough warriors in my time. I know enough people that have put that kind of time in. Let's talk about turning down the volume on bullshit and being able to go in there and know what really counts and, and having done that. That's probably the biggest thing that that changed me as a person. And it's not me telling you, it's my wife that, that, that tells me that, yes, I did change after that horrific event. And let me tell you, I want people to understand that we had some very rough years I did uh, and my family did after the shooting. It, it, it wasn't like, oh, it's done and we're back to normal. No, no, it took a lot. It took a lot of faith, family, counseling, a lot of things that happened, physical recovery. Uh, but we're here. We're here because uh, we're, we, we're, we're, I'm glad that I'm, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. I, I had the opportunities, uh, the, all those opportunities presented themselves. I just happened to like food a lot. Maybe I ate a little bit too much, but <laughs> I, I really, really was uh, um, disciplined in saying, I'm not going to be this bitter, angry old man because of what happened to me. But to your point, a lot of things to me, uh, I don't sweat the small stuff anymore, especially the stuff that I can't control. I really focus on what I can have an impact on, whether it's my family, my community, and what I can bring a real tangible difference uh, in this world and in, in, in my community. And boy, let me tell you, that is, uh, I'm chill. I'm, I'm, uh, I used to be more on an edge guy as an agent, and uh, I've always been a, kind of a very disciplined guy, but... I used to be bothered by a lot of things, not bothered by them anymore, man. Uh, I'll tell you what, what, what bothered me the other day. Uh, one of the persons that's running on this race alluded to the fact that maybe I hadn't been shot in the line of duty. I saw that. And not only did that hurt me, it pissed me off. And I, and I called him out on it on, uh, during a, uh, a, a debate. I said, first of all, um, if you want, I'll show you the, the, the wound in my chest and the x-ray of the bullet that's still in my left leg. If you, if you want to go that route. But it upset me because I said, it's not about me. You're dishonoring the, me the memory of Special Agent Jaime Zapata that was killed in the line of duty in defending the homeland. Don't you dare disrespect that. That's where I, that's where I might get upset and my old self will come out. Yeah. But, um, but no, I, I concentrate uh, those words. The, the, I'll tell you this. I lost my fear on that day, Kyle. And I fear God and I fear my dad. I don't fear these people, the, 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 the politicians. They don't intimidate me. They're just George to me. They're just Frank to me. They're just Victor to me. They're just the person that for some reason we have, like you said, put these politicians in a special category of member. They're a member. Oh, my God. I, listen. Yeah, that pin doesn't give you any superpowers. In fact, we got to get you one right. of our pins. I got one of mine over here. I'll... I'll uh... I'll get one of these for you, but this is our uh, this is our suspendable pin. We'll get you one of the black ones. Oh, it's awesome! Uh, I'll, I'll get it on there. You can show them what the what a, what a pin that actually has some weight to it is, which is someone who's willing to take on consequences. And I know you're that guy, so um, let me. I'll make sure I'll get one of those out from Garrett. Look, um, I want to show you a quick video of just sort of what we're facing in this country. Uh, things that probably would make your your parents just absolutely stunned in the way that they brought you here to and, and grew up in this place. I don't know how we ended up in a world where this is the, the place we're in, but I found this video earlier today and it just, it's shocking to me. And so apparently you can be an open communist on the streets in 2024 America. 
And these these morons, I mean, they're just young and stupid. These are the same people out there that are advocating for these dumb policies. And this is the people I think that the leftist politicians are scared of. I think they're actually scared of this. I know you're not scared of it, but it's worth seeing these kind of these just clowns that this is this is where we're at at this point in our history, which are like I said, our founding fathers would have rolled over in their graves knowing about this nonsense. Check these guys out for a second. Is there anything dumber than than marching around in an American city with a foreign flag saying that you just want that one solution? <laughs> you know what I tell people all the time? Try doing that in Mexico. Go get a U.S. flag like the one behind me mm-hmm. and put it in the back of your pickup truck and drive into Mexico. Let's see. You want to test it? I want you to test it. See how long it takes for them to pull you over and get your ass on the ground and bring that. They're, they don't tolerate that in Mexico. They won't. They don't. They, they, they uh, they're they're so proud uh, of their patriotism, of their and and the protection of their sovereignty. As 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 that country is in shambles, they still do that. And it's but way more civilized in Mexico and than I'm it could be. I'm not saying that. I'm not. I'm not saying people. You uh, you come to the United States, you forget where you came from. Sure. No, I, I love my heritage. Uh, I'm a Texan and American at heart, but that doesn't mean I ignore my heritage or where my parents came from. I love my heritage. I love my culture. That's that's different, uh, but that's not what's happening here. Is that these these communists? They're bringing communism here, Kyle. They're, these Venezuelans are Chavistas. They're Hugo Chavez sympathizers, and are I have a friend, in, uh, an attorney in um, Florida, that, that that's what he does. Uh, deal with a lot of the the Venezuelans, and man, the intel that he shares with me is like this is this is dangerous because they're not wanting they don't want to change. They don't want to adopt our rules. They want to adopt their communist socialist agenda here. And we're allowing them to do it. And that's how slowly but surely we start losing grasp of our own country and our own identity. And all of a sudden you get the argument from the left. We're a nation of immigrants. Spare me the bullshit, man. It, we, we know that. We know that. But it's legal people that became Americans, and I'll stress that point over and over, that adopted the United States Constitution and Bill of Rights. That's that's okay. We all want that. But they want to shove that into your face like, oh, because we're a a nation of immigrants, then you're supposed to allow everybody in with no checks. No, it doesn't work that way. No, not at all. Uh, It's the the Christian concept is the difference between meekness and weakness. Or if you've done law enforcement or, or military, we always talk about don't mistake kindness for weakness. Those are not the same thing. To be kind is not to be weak, and we've we've taken some of the wrong lessons. We've let these idiots march around on our streets. All right, I want to end this on something kind of fun. I did the same thing last time, but I, I went ahead and pulled up. I'm calling this little section the long shot. It's just a different little look at a different kind of victor. Uh, I know you're a Second Amendment guy. I know you're a gun guy. I sent you a picture of my new shotgun the other day, and you said it was a man stopper, which it is. Let's do this little uh, thing. I don't think it needs any setup because you actually explained it in the clip. Folks, your little taste of some things that uh, this man can do, taking on challenges that are quite difficult and if you've ever tried to shoot a handgun at 100 or 200 yards and i've done that uh this is the next level of what that looks like let's do a little this is the long shot here that uh victor got involved in my name is victor avila i'm a retired u.s immigration and customs enforcement homeland security investigation special agent 
I'm looking forward to tomorrow. We're going to shoot a couple of handguns for a long, long distance, long range distance here, and for accuracy with the one shot technology. 2,000 yards, which is, uh, has been said is impossible, right? But we're going to give it a shot, literally. So for those folks who are listening on the audio that are like, why are you playing rock music at us? And why did I hear a little ding? You want to just kind of give the uh, quick setup on what that was and, and how cool that looked. Yeah, I got invited by USA One Shot. You guys look at it. It's a plastic. It's not, it's not a brace. It's a stabilizer. You can put up into like 34 different handguns. You grab it, you shoulder it, and use that with a scope on a 10 millimeter Tenfoglio Hunter pistol. Uh, 1.14 miles, 2,010 yards, 36 by 36 inch metal plate. They had all the radar, GPS, all the system to record it, and and I shot it. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't one shot, one round. I shot. It was about one mag, and I was hitting them. I had the spotter behind me. You saw in the video, trying to see the target. I mean, uh, it was incredibly hard because we were there at the break of dawn and. Once you start setting up your your the scope, it, you know the target is moving crazy left and right all over the place, and it we start settling down, settling down, and the first shots were right at the base of the target, and then boom, 2010. The reason why this company wanted to do that is uh, for accuracy and, and that long distance is to prove a point that if you could hit that with this technology at 100 yards is nothing, and they're trying to get this piece of plastic. I wish I had it in front of me to show it to you, but if you go to USA One Shot. Uh, dot com you'll see it um uh it is incredible it's a game changer we wanted to have it in the hands of multiple uh police officers uh border patrol agents because if you have an active shooter situation or a threat that's 100 150 yards away this is you'll put them on there with a red dot on there on your on your gun you'll take them out with one shot and that's uh we're trying to prove that point but yeah i hold a world record for that and i am a big defender of the second amendment uh, we need to continue to defend ourselves. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think that's going to be my next purchase is a shotgun, man. You got me thinking when you saw me the picture <laughs> yesterday. I, haven't, I don't have a shotgun. My, my, my man stopper at home is, uh, is a 1911, my 45. That's what I use. That. That's, that's the one. Not, not a bad choice. My carry is a, a, nine, uh, uh, a 9 millimeter, a SIG uh, E320. That's my carry right now. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, I'm not a gun. I'm not a gun fanatic. I've never been like, oh my god, I'm a gun. I love guns. I like guns, but I've never been like, oh my god, that's all my life. But uh, but it is something when um, you carry one since the age of 22, it does become a part of you, man. And you know what I'm talking about. It is to me a weapon. Next to me is, is it is 
part of my identity. It is part of a, when they took my guns away after this whole thing, after ice happened, man, that hurt, man, that hurt when they took my guns because it, it, it was stripping me of my identity and my, you know, what I, what I stood for. But then, uh, my, my counselor says, screw them, go buy your own gun. Yeah. It's just a and tool. I said, you, know what? Yeah. you can buy your own. So I went and got my gun and boop, went and put it strapped it back on and, and, and hear them back. Right. So, uh yeah yeah thanks for showing that man it's pretty cool that uh, that happened a couple of years ago i go to shot show every year with them i was there this year uh last month at shot show in uh in las vegas so it's always cool to interact with people like that uh and it's a great company now i i appreciate what it, what it takes to do that which is focus and i hope that that's what you're uh, you know i know you've been single-handedly focused and single-mindedly focused on getting your your butt to congress so you can go and take some of those long shots out there with uh, what we need to be done which is to have a bunch of people 434 others agree with these ideas or at least enough to move the needle. You only need 50%, I suppose, plus one. Correct. But, uh, but yeah, what a what a strange time we're all living in. I appreciate you staying in the fight there. And I know you could have just retired and kept your medical pension and uh, just tried to find a, a nice, easy way to exist in your life. And you've decided that uh, this country still needs us, which I know it's true. And, you know, we've talked offline about it, but it's it's about what our kids are going to inherit. This is our this is our time to step into it. Maybe the boomers need to step back down, and the younger guys need to jump into this race and say, "Hey, it, uh, Congress is a burden." Would you agree? Like that doesn't sound like a lot of oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a lot of sacrifice, and it's not. Uh, my wife asked me, "Why do you do this? Why do you want to do this?" It's exhausting. And I'm it's sure. A calling. Yeah, it's a calling, man. At this point, it's uh, it's uh, I have to do this. Uh, I, it is, it is, it is kind of part of an extension of my duty, I believe, mm -hmm. maybe because I survived, maybe this is the reason why I'm here. I don't know. I just know that I can't be, like you said, I can't be scratching my belly on my couch doing nothing. I got to be part of the solution and, and help, uh, bring, bring us back. I think that is the the hope that we get somewhere back to normal. I'm going to throw this back up on the screen. You want to tell people while we got it up here, let people know where they should easiest follow you if they want to, uh, get in contact with you or support your campaign where that can be done. Yeah, X, uh, Twitter, uh, Victor Avila, at Victor Avila TX. I am on Facebook. You'll find me on Instagram. And, of course, visit VictorAvilaForCongress.com. Don't be shy to send your money. It is very hard to run for U.S. Congress. Probably the funding is the, the hardest thing that I've, that I've learned. Uh, I, I'm very I, – I, I suck at asking for money, but, uh, but I have learned to do it. Uh, it's, it's a sacrifice, too. And, and if you can contribute, it really, really goes a long way. These things are, are incredibly uh, expensive to do, but we've been able to be here. We're in the run. I mean, we're next next week is a primary, man, and and I'm telling you, we we expect to shock District 23 with the with the movement that we have behind us and the momentum. So any help is still very much welcome. Thank you so much, Kyle. Yeah, man, I appreciate you spending all this time with me this morning. I wish you uh, good luck on there, folks. If you are in Texas in the 23rd, whether that's uh, San Antonio all the way up to the border end of it, make sure you are registered to vote and make sure that you are turning out and uh, choosing. Because a lot of times this is where the Republican Party screws you over. It's uh, you don't get a choice. If you don't figure it out in March, you're not going to get to make the right choice in November. So go ahead and make their support. And we, we love Victor. Thanks so much for coming on and, and being my guy and having this long conversation, which I think is so important for folks. So thanks, buddy. Appreciate you, Kyle. Thank you. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been uh, enjoying the Kyle Serafin Show in long form, talking to Victor Avila. He is running for Congress in the 23rd. We just showed his website. You guys can follow him at Victor Avila TX 
on social media, as he just said. And again, the website. Um, if you want to see the first interview we did, which was a lot more about his sort of crazy experiences as a as a, a man working for the federal government in multiple roles, you guys can check that out. I actually put the link below, so that should be easy for you to find. And uh, if you want to go back and you can see the change that we've done in the studio and also sort of the, uh, the original story. We showed that one shot again, though, because I really do love it. I love seeing someone taking an extra long handgun shot. It takes an incredible amount of discipline. I've shot my handgun out to 200. I've never even considered taking it that far. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Let's do a quick uh, five-star review, a quick thank you for our listeners, the folks who are out there uh, watching. This is coming from the Apple side of things. And this is from Wall 47 a short and sweet one. It says, great show. And here's a fun one. I'm pretty sure I made friendly eye contact with Steve Friend at NASCAR Holler Showcase in Daytona. This was going back to February 13th uh, of this year. Uh, anyway, great show. Yes, in fact, Steve said he believes that that was, in fact, someone making eyeballs at him. So if you guys see Steve Friend out in the world, if you live in the, the Florida area around Daytona, by all means, go up and say, hey, let him know you know, that you, you appreciate what he's doing. He's he's more than happy to entertain that. Uh, we, we have a strange small number of people that recognize us in public. Uh, it's somewhat embarrassing for us. It's probably somewhat embarrassing for you, but we appreciate the support. And I know him and his family appreciate that too, because it's not easy going out there in the world and, and uh, putting your public face when you've been a, a quiet professional for most of your time. In any case, uh, folks, join us again tomorrow, Wednesday. It's going to be weird Wednesday. We're going to be bringing on, as I said, somebody who was part of that, that SWAT operation that took down a J6er, and the, uh, the resulting miscarriage that happened in February of 2021. You guys will be uh, not surprised to find out who that person is. Uh, we'll have a candid conversation about what matters and the reasonableness standard that has to happen. As I've mentioned earlier today, I'm more than happy to take a shot at the FBI when it needs it. There are times when we have to also have grace and that we also have to know that not everybody knows everything at all the times, just like we discussed that self-immolation video. Those officers that responded to that scenario, they don't know everything that's happening at the moment. They don't know that that guy dies in the end. They are living in the moment and there are certain things that we are going to kind of give you an instinct about that law enforcement they only have to be reasonable. They don't always have to be right. And it's important that we understand that, but we also have to hold them accountable for doing what's right and what is reasonable. And we'll get into that tomorrow for Weird Wednesday. In any case, uh, God bless all of you. Be safe. We'll see you again tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.